Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is May 28, 2014. We have a good show today. We're going to be talking about cancer. It's projected that one out of every three people will have a diagnosis of cancer within their lifetime. And those are pretty alarming statistics. I have a guest who has authored a book called The Paw Paw Program. Her name is Loreen Benoit. And we're not only going to concentrate on cancer, we're also going to talk about all disease prevention. If you don't have the opportunity to listen to this entire show, we are on iTunes, so you can download this show at your earliest opportunity. Now I would like to bring on to our show our very special guest, Lorreen. Hi, Lorreen. How are you today? We're hosting this show. Hi, Lorreen. How are you today? I'm great, Denise, and I want to thank you very much for hosting this show. I'd like to start my show out asking my guests how they got on the path that they're on today. Whoa, that's a, that's a long path. Um, I actually started in 1974. And um, without going into 40 years of history, that was the year that I decided something wasn't completely right with um, the medical system I had been using, which was if um, I had an infection, say tonsillitis. I went to the mm-hmm. doctor, I got antibiotics, I got, quote, better. If I had a sinus infection or pneumonia, um, I went to the doctor, I got antibiotics, and I got, quote, better. And I lived a healthy lifestyle. I thank both my parents. We um, grew most of our own food. We lived in the country. We were very active. But I was born with, I guess, a weaker respiratory system, one would say. So these things were just common. And I might be sick once a year, go and get antibiotics, get better. And then about 1974, I started getting a few concurrent, um, I'd get one infection and then I'd do the 
doctor trip, I'd do another infection, do the doctor trip, do another one. And by the third time, I thought, there's something wrong with this picture. I'm not a sick person. I don't have a bad lifestyle. What's going on here? This infection just seems to be jumping everywhere within my respiratory system. And I had already been studying just on my own a few books on how to eat properly, vitamins, minerals. Some very old authors you might be, Denise, familiar with. Do you remember Adele Davis? Oh, absolutely. Yes. She was, she was one of the first who started writing about vitamins and minerals and let's have healthy children. Mm-hmm. So I'd been studying on my own for about two years, and 1974 was what I would call a key turning point because that was the last year I ever took a drug. So that would mean a prescription medication or an over-the-counter pres- medication because I, by that time, just thought, as I said, this picture isn't working, something's not right, and I really delved two feet first into natural health, and what I saw happen was that each year I just got healthier and healthier. So since 1974, which is 40 years, I'm not going to say I've never been sick, but rather Mm -hmm. than a sickness that somebody gave me or a disease that I caught, I now take a look at what did I do to allow this microbe or this germ or this bacteria to start going profound in my body. What part did I have in that? What do I need to do to change it? And I've been able to do that totally with herbs, with diet the last 40 years. I've also since then raised just one daughter, but she's 29, and she's also um, never been on any kind of medication whatsoever. She did most of the childhood diseases, which I happen to think are really important for children to go through now, like measles and, um, mm-hmm. you know, those types of regular mm-hmm. conditions. And she did also go through whooping cough because we do not believe in vaccinations. And she, I think, has seen a doctor three times, and she's 29 years old. Mm. So I'm not saying, again, she hasn't been sick, but there's nothing. I have, I have terrific confidence in nature's gifts, um, you know, God-given herbs, and I've just had such good success with them 40 years that I am passionate about sharing this with people so that they can learn to improve their own health. How I got on the path of cancer was uh, the, first, the first big event in my life was my close brother died of cancer when he was 48. And that was back in 1997. And I, by that time, I had been in the business for about nine years. And by that business, I mean in the business of natural health and healing. And uh, we did an awful lot to extend the quality of his life. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the medical diagnosis came way, way, way too late. And he was basically told after a year of seeing doctors that, oh, we're sorry, we missed this. There's nothing we can do. You have um, maybe two months to live. He did live six months. And um, as I say, that extended his life. And he lived in good quality to more of an extent than if he'd gone any medical route. And at that point, he wasn't offered anything. And then five years later, my father died of cancer. And then five years later, and he passed away. Uh, again, we weren't happy about the medical treatment that he received. And shortly after he passed away, about a year after he passed away, this, we 
got availability to an amazing herb called pawpaw. Thus, the name of my book, The Pawpaw Program. And pawpaw had had at that time almost 35 years of research. And I really think that either of those cases may have been different if we'd had that herb then. So I started using it and studying it at that point. So by the time my mother was diagnosed with cancer a number of years later, we got her on the pawpaw program, and she did not die of cancer. She lived another seven healthy years and uh, died a much more natural death at 87. So having that sort of history in my family, I felt it was important for me to study about it more, work on it better, and we started having such good successes with this pawpaw program. I was Mm -hmm. encouraged by my clients to write a book. So that's how I'm here. Listeners, we're talking with Lauren Benoit. She's a natural health consultant and an educator. She holds a Bachelor of Education in Biology and a Master's of Holistic Healing. She's also a certified herbal consultant, and the list goes on and on. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about your book. Okay. How long did it take Um, you to write it? It I, it took a year, but in actual hours much less, because I've been writing for health magazines and uh, I've been writing articles for 30 years. It was basically just pulling together information that I already had. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. was given the privilege in 2003 of writing an introductory lecture for when we first received pawpaw. Uh, in Canada, so I did a lot Mm -hmm. of research back. I already had a lot of the research. It was just pulling it all together, and I must admit I'm not always um, very good at following a schedule. So probably it took three, four months to write, but a lot of it was written. It was just organizing it, and then, of course, the editing and formatting and all of that type of thing. So it was about a year, and... um, since then, I'm pretty close to selling a thousand copies, which apparently for a self-published book is what they classify as a bestseller. Uh, and there's Excellent. always constantly things one could think about writing. I did keep it. A couple of my objectives, Denise, for the book were number one was so that it was an easy read for anyone. So for someone mm-hmm. who had cancer, it's designed to give them all the tools that they need right in there about herbal program, um, I call four pillars of lifestyle, some idea recipes, some lifestyle. The second purpose was to put enough bibliography and references in Mm -hmm. there that someone with a scientific background, hopefully some medical practitioners, would also um, consider it valid and I've mm-hmm. taken it down to her cancer society here. And some doctors will recommend it, some won't. You know, it depends from uh, what their training and what their outlook is like. So it's, to, it's mm-hmm. an easy read. There are some cartoons throughout the book to lighten the topic a little bit. Um, I've got charts and diagrams to explain the concepts that I'm talking about. And um, I've had excellent feedback that it has really helped people to clarify. The, the one other thing that I wanted to do, Denise, because I found this consistently working with cancer clients for the last 20 some odd years, is that when someone gets that diagnosis, it's really a diagnosis of fear. There's so Mm -hmm. much fear 
attached to cancer. I mean, if you get told you've mm-hmm. got, um, you know, crippling arthritis or multiple sclerosis, it's not quite as fearful as cancer. There's just that whole mm-hmm. fear mentality around it. So what I felt was important was for to people to understand they don't have to come from that fearful perspective and that although this is one program that we've had tremendous success with, and I can explain that shortly, I'm not saying it's the only approach. And so I have a whole chapter that lists other programs, other um, herbs, uh, the history of herbs for health, and, um, you know, other beneficial health aids, because what I find with cancers, someone gets diagnosed with cancer, and everyone is suggesting something to them. I don't know if you've had that experience. Yes. You know, all of a sudden, Aunt told me that you haven't seen for 20 years, says, oh, my neighbor got healed by doing this. And the next door neighbor says, oh, you should take this. And I find that cancer people get very easily overwhelmed because there are so many different approaches. And so what I do in Chapter 2 is I list, there's about 10 pages, 20 pages of other programs that have been successful and the reason I do that is so that people understand I am aware of those other approaches. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of them have a lot of validity. But again, in my 35 years as a practitioner, we've never had the results that we have as with this particular program. Because mm-hmm. it's um, not just take a pill. It's These are the supplements that we feel are important to support the body. This is why we think they're important. This is the science behind them. But there's other things you need to do in your life, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, people that are diagnosed with cancer, it's a whole body issue. It's not just it is. isolated. It's not a matter of you've got a cancer tumor. in the breast or you mm-hmm. might get cancer in the breast, cut it off. That one I'm not going to go into, but that one to me is a pretty silly way of thinking. I mean, if you don't want to get cancer, then you'd cut all of your body parts out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, to me it's the analogy like if there's a, a warning light going on in your automobile, let's say the oil light's flashing on and off, what are you going to do? Are you going to pull the light out or are you going to take the car in and get it checked and see what's the matter with the oil? And mm-hmm. that's the approach I think people need to look is just don't cut some part out that happens to have got cancer. It's a whole, exactly like you said, it's a whole body issue. Well, there's plenty of scientific data to back up the fact that every single one of us has cancer cells in us. And it's yes, and um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Actually, uh, chapter the immune system breaks what is it, down. Chapter um, there's one. What does the scientific community say about uh, cancer? That's chapter eight, and I have that study that came from the Johns Hopkins. Um, mm-hmm you know, the the John Hopkins Center, where it was going around the Internet for quite a few years, all these things that apparently John Hopkins sent. And um, Mm -hmm. I actually, while I was writing the book, I phoned Johns Hopkins, and I was amazed to actually get a live person quite easily who we discussed that whole report that's been going around by email. So Chapter 8 goes through that whole report from Johns Hopkins. And some of the things they say that went in the emails that you probably got are true and some aren't. So I've got 
their side of the picture and what was commonly said, and then I've added comments on that. So you're right, Mm -hmm. according to the Johns Hopkins and many uh, other scientific researchers, they've shown that we are developing cancer cells daily. Just like we're all getting exposed to germs daily. We're all getting exposed Mm -hmm. to viruses. Mm -hmm. So why do some people catch the cold, flu virus, and some don't? It's just that the... It's just that the immune system keeps keeps the cancer cells in check, and it's exactly. it's when the immune system breaks down that people end up with cancer in the forms of the, in the blood or in tumors, etc. Yeah, and proliferation. That's such a good point because you said it. It's the immune system, our innate immune system, that decides whether it progresses or whether we get go into remission and get better. So I'm hoping the sooner the better that at some point society as a whole is going to look back on our treatment of cancer and we're going to compare it to the origins of medicine when the beginning doctors killed an awful lot of people by bloodletting, by arsenic, and mercury poisoning. Those were the main three things that the the original doctors came out with. And we look back on those times now and say, oh my goodness, what a barbaric uh, way of treating people. You know, they they let the evil spirits out through bloodletting and most people died from a, a deficiency of blood or they treated them with arsenic or with mercury. And I... I know it sounds ridiculous, but when you talk about the immune system being so important, chemotherapy destroys the immune system. Correct. And the hope is that you can get enough chemotherapy that will also happen to kill the cancer cells before it totally destroys the person's immune system. And that while their immune system is destroyed, they won't catch any um, other diseases that they die from, which is what happens mm-hmm. very often with them. Um, bone marrow transfusions with leukemia patients. Most people die from uh, opportunistic infections while the immune system is totally depleted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So our approach is the opposite. It's build the immune system. Work with the body, not against it. And um, I hope within my lifetime we will see the medical profession and the, the natural health profession joining hands on this and it's happening because even now people who do choose to go chemotherapy surgery radiation the ones that do the best are the people who are also doing complementary medicine along with it they're supporting their immune system they're taking vitamins they're doing minerals they're changing their diets they're doing some spiritual healing they're you know doing exercise to get their lymphatic system working they're doing infrared saunas whatever they aren't just doing the cut, burn, and poison because those people, unfortunately, the statistics aren't improving. And um, I've got one, a chart on page 26 of my book showing the increase in cancer costs. And it's, this is just over a four-year period. It's gone from, you know, I'll take one example, breast cancer for women. It's in 2006, the cost for cancer care for breast cancer alone were $584 million. Four years later, in 2010, it was $16.5 billion. 
Mm. Now, if someone were to do the math in that, that those are figures that we can't even conceive in our brain, what they really mean. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For inlets, for example, the costs in 2006 were $293 million. In 2010, they were $11.85 billion. Now, if, if we're getting, our numbers are increasing, now it's one out of three dying of cancer, mm-hmm. and yet those costs are increasing, we're barking up the wrong tree, wouldn't you say? Well, I, statistically, we're kind of where we were back in 1970 when Nixon declared war on, on cancer and exactly. threw a bunch of money toward it. Exactly. Um, that was no, the no beginning question. of the war on cancer. And mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. that very wording is a problem. That's like doing war on your own body. Mm-hmm. Let's, mm-hmm. let's look at number one, we should be looking at prevention. So that's something I do want to mention about my book. Yes, it has treatment for cancer in there, but my real desire is that people will take this as prevention because anything that can be used for treatment is like a hundred times better if you can take it as a preventative measures. I just want to take you back um, a second. When you were talking to the audience about all the family members of yours that have yeah. passed away from cancer. What do you think are some of the underlining causes of cancer? And uh, specific to your family, do you think it was tied environmentally? Was it their um, nutrition? Was it genetics? Did all these things come into play? Okay, good question. I think genetics does play a role, and, um, you know, Right back since high school, I did study genetics quite a bit. And I've seen enough research to show that there are certain genes passed down within families. Um, We don't have a lot of cancer in our background other than a little bit on my mother's side. The fact that I would say it's not nutrition in our family because, as I said, we were were brought up, I would say, in the top 90th percentile of proper eating, Mm -hmm. home-baked meals things like that, having our own garden. I think environmental has quite a big play. My family grew up in um, central Manitoba, so right up above your North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota area. And there, there is evidence that... I have, and I don't really want to go into that in this, but that there was a a lot of chemical testing and spraying that went on over the Winnipeg area because it was a large population with no um, significant populated areas in a close range. So if it Mm -hmm. was sprayed, it would be easily tested. I've seen some reports that lead to an increase in cancer because of that spraying that went on, and that was in the early 1950s. So, yeah, environmentally could have something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do believe the emotional aspect is very important. And I encourage anyone, I I don't take the approach that I know some healers do is okay, putting it back to the person saying, well, what have you done? Why have you got cancer? I don't believe Mm -hmm. in that approach. But I do believe that one one has to look at what underlying issues might not be resolved that could lead to it. And I I go back to, you know, I make reference to the long-ago book of Louise Hay, 
you can heal yourself. Yes. And looking at what yes. parts of your mm-hmm. body, what type of cancer. And cancer generally is to do with some held-in anger, resentment, frustration. Um, stress is, is definitely associated with it. So I mm-hmm. don't think our family was more stressed than other people, but I think the environmental factors and perhaps a genetic factor, because of the mm-hmm. genetic factor, I don't intend to get cancer. Uh, my other two family members don't intend to get cancer because we look at doing preventative measures. And if we've got that higher genetic disposition, then even more so we're going to pay attention to prevention. Well, let's talk, like let's talk about the preventative measures. Exactly. So what is it? Could I, because um, I know we've got limited time, could I just explain a little bit about um, how we got onto the pawpaw and why oh, sure. Why I feel that program has worked so uh, exceptionally well? And when I referred earlier to saying how we've had such good results with that, this is another unfortunate thing that we see in the natural healing business, and I'm sure you would agree with this, Denise, that very often we don't get clients wanting to deal with cancer in a natural approach until a couple of things have happened. Mm -hmm. The others have failed. The medical failed or they've gone the medical approach, it's come back, they go the medical approach again, they get something else cut out, they get another round of chemotherapy and eventually they're they're classified as terminal. So this Mm -hmm. is very disheartening to me that we see so many people in terminal stages of cancer. Even Mm -hmm. with that we get pretty good results. So if we're getting good results in stage four, think what the results would be if we got them in stage one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I, I love about PAWPAW is it has had 35 years of research, it, um, and largely this is attributable to Dr. Jerry McLaughlin. And anybody who looks up PAWPAW on the Internet, it's not going to take them long to come up with the name Dr. Jerry McLaughlin. And he started through, um, he, he's done research all his life. He's his PhD in research. He was a professor at Purdue University. Um, he did studies for um, Eli for the medical firms years ago with PAWPAW to do with using it as a lice control. He mm-hmm. did, um, he, he's, he has dedicated 35 years of his um, life to researching pawpaw, and I had the honor of spending three days with him last summer. He came and did a Western Canada tour and stayed with us, and he's given me all his research papers because his whole goal is to get this information out to people. So mm-hmm. um, I've got quite, you know, most of his, a lot of his research in my book. One of the clinical studies that was done by an oncologist in Nevada, those are in my book. And um, what, so I'm just going to, would quickly like to run through why does pawpaw work. And before I do that, I want to say there's, pawpaw can refer to the papaya plant. It can refer to, there's over 300 species of um, pawpaw from all different parts of the world. The one that has been researched to be effective for cancer, and there is only one, is called Asimina trilloba. And Asimina trilloba is the Latin name because any herbs that, you know, if a herbalist is using, you have to use the Latin name to know that you're getting the correct species. Because Dr. McLaughlin tested thousands, about 3,500 different plants, looking for... Um, 
active ingredients that would stop cancer. And he came across the pawpaw family, and then he tested 350 species within that family. And the one that worked is called Asimina triloba. So it's very important that people get the correct thing. A lot of people have heard about graviola. Um, graviola yes. is, graviola is what's called uh, Brazilian pawpaw. And it's not the same species at all. And unfortunately, you know, research is out on the Internet. People can say, oh, this is the product we're talking about. And they've taken Dr. McLaughlin's research and said it relates to graviola. Um, Dr. McLaughlin's pawpaw, the Asimina triloba, is about 10,000 times stronger than graviola. And he's got the test results to show it. So the one that he was used, they were all, and the one that Dr. Forsyth, the Nevada oncologist who did the case studies, again with all terminal patients, is the Asimina triloba. So I'm just going to quickly tell you four reasons why Asimina triloba works. Okay. um, Okay, so there's four mechanisms of action. Primarily, most of them relate to the chemicals called acetogenins, in the pawpaw or in the Asimina triloba, they stop ATP production. ATP is a chemical in the body called adenosine triphosphate. And if we don't have adenosine triphosphate, we're dead. It is what fuels the mitochondria of our cells for energy. So it's, there's an ATP cycle, and that controls mm-hmm. energy in our body. What pawpaw does is it modulates the ATP production so that there is less energy available to the cells that are affected by pawpaw. So it stops your ATP production in rapidly reproducing cells. Therefore, they can't grow. They can't uh, duplicate. They can't, it affects the DNA, which is deoxyribonucleic acid, and they affect the RNA ribonucleic acid. Those are what causes mm-hmm. cells to divide and reproduce. It stops the reproduction of that, and it stops blood vessel cell growth. So cancer cells are like these hungry little things that say, feed me, feed me, and mm-hmm. to take more nutrition from the body, they mm-hmm. produce their own blood vessel network. That's called angiogenesis. So pawpaw mm-hmm. stops ATP production to, for the cells to have energy, it stops ATP production to stop cell replication, mm-hmm. and it stops the ATP energy required for cell um, new blood vessel growth, which is a factor called anti-angiogenesis. Now, most people are going to say, okay, why the, the beauty of this, so it's like chemotherapy. And chemotherapy does, in some ways, operate in the same way. Some forms of chemotherapy do. The difference between chemicals, chemotherapy and Asimini triloba chemotherapy is that the Asimini triloba only affects cancerous cells, rapidly reproducing cells. And it does that because it's naturally drawn into those cells because they require ATP production about 17 times more than a healthy cell. Mm-hmm. So they only affect the rapidly growing cells, and that can be a cancer tumor, that can be leukemia in the blood, that can be a planter's warts. 
that can be rapidly developing benign moles. Anything that's um, an unnatural renegade cell growth, they always require 17 times more, up to 17 times more ATP, and pawpaw stops that for those cells without affecting healthy cells. The one-fourth action, and this is one of the most beautiful things about pawpaw, if people are frightened into choosing chemotherapy, I strongly encourage them to do pawpaw in addition to the chemotherapy because what happens with especially repeated dosages of chemotherapy, repeated rounds of chemotherapy, is the body, the cancer cells set up what's called an MDR pump. It's a multiple drug-resistant pump. So they, mm-hmm. once they've had chemotherapy for a while, the cancer cells just start to sort of shoot the chemotherapy back out so that it, they can't affect them as rapidly. So what's happening is the chemotherapy is getting shot out into the rest of the healthy cells of the body, and it's having less effect on the cancer. And that's why repeated dosages of chemotherapy often become less effective. Mm. Pawpaw actually inhibits that MDR pump. So if people choose to take chemotherapy, we strongly encourage them to do this program alongside it. So that in a nutshell is how it works. And as I said, um, the research seeing that, seeing how pawpaw can kill um, cancerous cells faster, up to 100,000 times faster and more effectively than some of the common chemotherapy agents like cisplatin and vincristin, it's that much stronger and it doesn't affect healthy cells. And that's what Dr. John Forsyth saw about cancer. He said this is one of the most amazing chemotherapy agents we've seen because it doesn't affect healthy cells and you can't overdose on it. So that's the other beauty of it. And in my book I explain how you, you self-regulate the dosage of pawpaw based on your body, your cancer, your metabolism. And yeah, but I, I want to ca- ca- caution the listeners that this isn't something they can do on their own. They, they need a professional to work with them. They, they do need a, pro- well, they do need a professional. We've had successes with people going through this, I mean, obviously just with, with me. There's, there's quite a few practitioners throughout Canada and the States who are working mm-hmm. very effectively with people following this program. We like to open ourselves to do, um, like I do a lot of worldwide consults uh, in Europe and Asia and through the, throughout North America, because people mm-hmm. often want some support with someone who's worked with the program. So, yes, I agree with Ab- that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Not only that, uh, if, in fact, pawpaw kills off cancer cells rapidly, would a patient have a lot of... Um, um, uh, toxicity as a result of the rapid pace of the, of the die-off effect? Okay, like the Herxheimer effect that people get if they're rapidly reducing uh, candida, for example? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we are very good at avoiding that because often if people get too serious, um, a die-off response, they're going to feel worse and they're not going to continue on the program. So to me, that's all about dosaging and that's about Mm -hmm. supporting the body with other cleansing things. So obviously it's critical that people, um, you know, have daily bowel movements. Um, It's 
critical that people keep the skin and lymphatic system open and clean, and, and all of those ways of doing that are in the book. Um, okay. It's very important with diet, and the program itself that we have is not just pawpaw. There's, there's four basic parts of the program, and those other four um, components of the program are designed to support the body so that that doesn't happen. Good. Yeah. So, for example, we, we encourage people that one of the four basics of the program is we have them take uh, proteolytic enzymes. So that the, and we have them take them differently than with meals. Digestive enzymes with food are, is excellent for anyone who wants to stay well or anyone who's sick because then they're just supporting their body to digest the nutrition they're taking in. But we use proteolytic enzymes taken between meals on an empty stomach that helps clean up the bloodstream, that helps to um, break down the tough coating of the cancer cells so that the pawpaw can get in there better. We have people take super essential fatty acids because the omegas are very good as anti-inflammatory and the omegas are required to rebuild healthy cell membranes to stop the inflammation and to support the overall health. And we have people take minerals and immune boosters, what we call herbal adaptogens. And most of those come from the 5,000-year tradition of Chinese medicine, whereas Mm -hmm. in North America we've tended over the years to focus more on cleansers and laxatives and things, you know, now antioxidants. Chinese are the experts in having worked with what we call herbal adaptogens, and those help support the system in time of stress and they help support the immune system. So we work in our office specifically with um, a formula that contains 64 trace minerals and it contains uh, about eight different herbal adaptogens. So that supports the immune system. And those are the basic four of the program. So it's just the pawpaw, protease enzymes, omegas, and your minerals with adaptogens. And that is helping to support the body and avoid any kind of healing responses. What do you consider the four pillars of health? The four pillars of health, and I have um, a whole chapter on that one uh, because I think they're really important. Number one pillar absolutely is exercise. Uh, is sorry, is diet. And in the book, mm-hmm. um, I go through that. You know, I can mention a couple of the most important things. One is you got to get rid of sugar in all shapes mm-hmm. and forms and colors, and 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 there's many different names for it, and I explain that in the book. But sugar feeds cancer. Sugar mm-hmm. feeds microbes which cause cancer. Sugar feeds viruses, which cause cancer. Sugar feeds fungus, which cause cancer. Um, and all of those are explained in Chapter uh, 2 of the book, is, you know, what are the causes of cancer. But sugar is a huge. So that's the number one thing. They've got to get rid of sugar. And then number two, they want to increase all their phytonutrients, phytochemicals. And generally you do that through increasing vegetables, minerals. I also list for those people who are having trouble you know, maybe getting in eight or ten servings of vegetables is I encourage mm-hmm. people to um, take superfoods. So I list about different superfoods and give recipes for those as well. Um, so that pillar number one is diet, definitely very important. Uh, pillar number two is exercise because one has to move the lymphatic system. And the only way you move the lymphatic system is through exercise. 
Plus, mm-hmm. you've got all that endorphin method. You know, you start doing a little bit of exercise, you feel better about yourself. If you can get outside, you're getting the benefits of sunlight. And uh, there, there's a whole bunch of reasons why we need exercise. So that's uh, sure. pillar number two. Pillar number three is emotional and spiritual health. So we list a number of different things as far as that's affecting stress and how do you manage stress in your life. That's about building a support system. That's about getting rid of fear. Um, That's about looking at what your spiritual beliefs about life and death are. Sorry, we just had a little bit of noise going outside our office there. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's definitely uh, pillar number three. And then pillar mm-hmm. number four is the supplementation. Because um, anyone who studied, and I, I have a chart about that in my book as well, what the decrease in our foods has been in the last 40 years, like the decrease of nutrition in our foods. So we just can't get optimum nutrition out of food anymore. And I think, you know, 20 years ago, doctors talked about, oh, don't take vitamins or minerals. You're just making your urine really healthy. Um, and I think most doctors and minerals now have come around. And, you know, mm-hmm. they realize that, you know, if you look at things like carrots having 75% less magnesium than they did 50 years ago, 48% mm-hmm. less calcium, 46% less iron, 75% less copper. Um, broccoli has got 75% less calcium than it did 50 years ago. We just aren't, with our agribusiness, we aren't getting the same nutrition from our food. You know, all the soil. So a lot of that is explained in the diet um, mm-hmm. section too. But the whole supplementation, um, I feel, is really important because we we're not getting our optimum daily allowances through our regular food. So those are the four pillars. And then I, I do have a little section on recipes in there, uh, not mm-hmm. extensive. I don't know, twenty pages or something. But it's just to get people going to get them having an idea of what um, you know what they can do and how they can get started and again I've got a lot of references and resources for those that want to go further and listeners we're talking with Lorraine Benoit she is the author of the book The Paw Paw Program a Christopher Columbus approach to cancer so Lorraine what example could you give us of a successful outcome from someone who has used PAPA? Okay. Um, and first, I might just explain that ridiculous title. Um, a Christopher Columbus <laughs> Approach to Cancer. The last part of that is the world is round and cancer can be treated naturally. And I do feel it's time that we shift from our thinking of spending the billions of dollars on cancer looking at different forms of chemotherapy or looking at different mammogram machines. Um, we, we already discussed how those aren't really affecting the positive outcomes. Cancer isn't decreasing and cancer mortality isn't decreasing. So it's like Christopher Columbus in the 1400s. Every scientist at that point thought that the world was flat. And if you sailed too far, you were going to fall off. Christopher Columbus chose to 
disprove that. He said, no, I think the world's round and I'm going to go find out. And that's how come we're here in North America, right? So I, I think we need to change our approach and have to have more of a Christopher Columbus approach, realizing, okay, the world is round. Uh, let's look at cancer as being treated naturally, as it used to be when there was a lot less of it. Um, so, sorry, go back That's to what your question was. Some of the case histories. I do have, uh, I think Chapter 5 is all on case studies, which are, sorry, Chapter 5 are case studies done by uh, Dr. Forsyth from Nevada. And at the last part of that chapter is I have 12 um, case studies that were uh, pertinent at the time that I wrote the book. And um, I'll give you one example was a, a night, well, I'll give you two of the most impressive examples. One was a woman who I believe was 79, and she was told to go home and, you know, get her will in order, and mm-hmm. this was about October, and she was told she'd mm-hmm. be lucky to live till Christmas. So when I first got her, she couldn't really move. She sat in an armchair all day, and her loving family just brought her whatever she needed. She had a table about six or eight feet long full of supplements, and all they did was pump supplements into her all day long. The different people had said, well, this will help, and that will help, and this will help. Um, The first thing I suggested was to clear their table off put those in a box, we try and fit them in later, but I like people to start with a basic four program. You know, the pawpaw, simina, trilova, the protease enzymes, the minerals with adaptogens, and the omegas. So we just started her on that, and we started making dietary changes. And as far as the spiritual, emotional changes, I said, you have to keep treating this woman like she's a sick, dying woman. You have to start trying to get her to do some things for herself, and I asked her to write down three things that she wanted to live for. And she did that. So that was October. The next October, so she was supposed to have maybe made it till Christmas. So a full ten months later, she flew out to Niagara Falls because that was one of the things she'd wanted to do with her husband for mm-hmm. their 50th wedding anniversary flew out to Niagara Falls, and she spoke actually at a health conference because she wanted to tell people her story. She flew to Hawaii with her husband. That was something she'd always wanted to do. (laughs) And she watched one of her granddaughters graduate. They did camping trips. She was the one who really encouraged me to write my book. She did all those three things, and then about a year later, her cancer came back, and bang, she was gone in about a... I don't know, three weeks or a month. And it happened so rapidly that we didn't even get a chance to really discuss what happened here. But Mm -hmm. what I think was that she had been fighting for so long before, you know, we got together. I think she was just tired. And she accomplished what she wanted to accomplish, and I think she just thought she was finished. But for her to have extended her life, with incredible mm-hmm. quality, half mm-hmm. that was amazing. It was so you know they don't all end. I mean, I've got a chapter in my book too. When the time comes, we're we're all going to die. And Dr. McLaughlin's wonderful. He said that. He said, "Well, we're all going to die. It's about mm-hmm. when and how." Um, the other one is I have actually. Oh, I, I'm going to admit it. She's my aunt, but she lives in Colorado, 
and mm-hmm. she's been dealing with cancer. She's one of the case studies in my book. She's been dealing with cancer. I'm not very good at years, which is a good thing I wrote this all down in the book. Um, so I'm actually referring yeah. to my book right now. Um, but she's been dealing with cancer, oh, I think, since 2002, and she's been through chemotherapy. She's been through all sorts of different things. Um, it's been. She started when she was 75 in 2002. Now, this is now, what, 2014, so it's 12 years later. And mm-hmm. several times during that period, she was told, oh, sorry, you know, it started out as lymphoma, non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and then the next time, you know, when it came back and she got more chemotherapy, then it came back and she got more chemotherapy. And her story is pretty mm-hmm. complete in here, how many times she did chemotherapy for... Actually, most of the time between 2002 and 2009, she did Uh. chemotherapy, off and on, but most of the time she was on. And in 2009, she um, finally, someone gave her something that said about Papa, and she says, oh my goodness, my niece told me about that five years ago. (laughs) And she got on the Papa, and she just felt it has saved her life. So she started on that, I think that was in, oh, she was told also that in 2008 they changed the diagnosis or her chemotherapy had caused her to develop what they call mantle cell lymphoma, and she was told Mm -hmm. that was terminal and there was nothing she could do about that. So she's been cancer clear as of this day. Mm. So considering that she was told she was terminal in 2008, I would say that's pretty good. And she's been on the program. Uh, We alter it now and then. She went on full-fledged program. And it's at the point that she just chuckles whenever she calls me because she said um, anytime now she goes in to get a checkup, they're starting to look at her a little strange and say, like, well, what have you been doing? Because they all expected her to be dead six years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's she's been quite an amazing one. We've got, like I say, I have 12 case studies in there. And to me, they're all amazing, whether they're, some aren't, um, two of them, they had passed away at the time in my second edition, but their stories were important enough that I felt that they were important to include. Well, those are wonderful stories. They really are. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. So what I'd like to do is, for you to uh, tell our listeners where they can purchase your book and then if they would like to contact you for your consulting services, how do they go about doing that? And if you have a website, tell them about that. All right. Thank you. I will. Um, The website is naturalpathremedies.com. So it's just naturalpathremedies. My email is take the natural path and that path is in p as in peter a t as in thomas h as in henry Uh, because i believe if people take the natural path they're going to be on a good path to health so take the natural path at gmail.com and i also work the old-fashioned way denise by phone so Mm -hmm. i do a lot of phone consultations and my office phone number is 250-748 6802. So the the best way for people to order the book is just to email me because that way they'll get it faster and they'll get it for less expense. 
They can also go on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca. Uh, I sell it in the States through a company called Nature's Tools, which is an educational resource. Um, or they can order it on my website, the Natural Path, uh, sorry, yeah, naturalpathremedies.com. But if they just email me, it's going to get faster because it doesn't matter who they go through, it eventually comes back here. It just takes longer. And um, if they come directly via email, then I give... That would be the only way they could get a discount if they want to mention that they've heard this program. So all they have to do mm-hmm. is say Denise Messenger's uh, program, Help and then I'll get a 15% mm-hmm. discount as well. Excellent. So, so listeners, did I pronounce your name properly? Yes, Denise Sorry? Messenger. Yes. yes, Denise Messenger, Health Media Now yeah. Radio. Yes, so, so if they either been... say Media Now Radio or Denise Messenger or I just heard you on the radio and contact me directly at takethenaturalpath at gmail.com, uh, then we'll get them a book sent out quickly. And the other thing I'd want to mention, we've had a bit of a challenge happening. A lot of people are ordering my book and then they, they want to follow the program, so they order the products from Amazon. And mm-hmm. I'm cautioning people not to do that. One, it's basically illegal from the, the source that we get these products because this is a company that's been around since 1972. They want people to get support. And if you order from Amazon or eBay or some unknown source online, you do not get support. Uh, if they mm-hmm. order it through me, I'll set them up so that they make sure they're getting the products that have worked and they can get them direct from the same company the same supplier that I use, and they can get them at a discount. So, but that way they can also get our support. Okay. Well, so that, again, that, that would be sense. the best way is yeah. probably take the natural path at gmail.com. And there's also yeah. on my website there's a contact for me as well, which will end up in the same place. All right. Well, we really appreciate Lorraine Benoit taking time out of her busy day to educate us on pawpaw. And um, Thank you very much, Denise, for offering this service, for being such a great host, and for um, your following your own path to natural health as well. Thank you so much. Okay. All right, Bye-bye. listeners, please tune in again next Wednesday, and um, we're going to have another great guest for you. Be well. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, I just wanted to remind you that the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guests. The information is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional and it's not intended as medical advice. It's a sharing of knowledge and information from our guest and experience of Denise and her community. 
We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Bye-bye.